3: San Francisco's public defender, Jeff Adachi, died suddenly Friday night. His loss is so
4: big because of every single elected official in San Francisco. He
5: was our moral compass.
4: Everyone understood that the public defender's obviously there was going to fight you tooth and nail. So that, to me, is the lasting impression that I have, his impact
0: on the judicial system and the criminal justice system.
3: Adachi was 59 years old and was seen as a passionate defender of justice. Today, we remember Jeff Adachi. I'm Devin Katayama. Welcome to the Bay. Hey, Devin. Hey, Scott. What's going on? Thanks for speaking with me over the weekend. Appreciate it. Oh, sure. Scott Schaefer is Senior Politics Editor for KQED, and he also hosts the Political Breakdown podcast, which ran a special on Jeff Adachi Sunday night. When I heard about Jeff Adachi's death, it was late Friday night, and I was f- following it on Twitter the best I could, but I noticed that a lot of people kept mentioning how beloved he was as a public defender, and I, I didn't know that. So why-, why is that?
4: I think, Devin, it was his tenacity and his just real unwavering uh, belief in the justice and the fact that uh, we should have a justice system where everyone gets good representation whether they can afford it or not. Uh, I think he was a a mentor to a lot of younger attorneys in the office. He had uh, a lot of integrity. He wasn't afraid to pick fights and I don't mean like just for the sake of a fight but to take on an issue where he felt uh, someone needed to speak up.
3: Well that's an interesting point um, because on this podcast we often talk about how politicians in the Bay Area either choose to or are pressured to do their job a certain progressive or liberal way. What did that look like for a public defender like Adachi?
4: The one thing to know is that San Francisco is the only county in California that has an elected public defender. Jeff Adachi was elected— five times and uh, had just been sworn in, in fact, in January. And that gave him a kind of independence um, that someone who was appointed and, say, accountable to the mayor or the board of supervisors uh, wouldn't have. The only person who could fire Jeff Adachi were the voters, and they reelected him time and time again without any opposition. No one even ran against him. Hmm.
3: What are some of the uh, key cases that you think he took on that either shaped San Francisco into what it is now or, or will in the future?
4: Well, he really took on the police department on a number of occasions, uh, and one of which was when there were some racist and homophobic texts that had come to light.
3: That happened in 2015. Adachi had his office review past arrest records to see if any of them had been tainted by police bias. So far, more than a dozen criminal cases against people arrested by officers involved in the text message scandal have been dismissed.
4: and punished. He pushed the attorney general, who at the time was Kamala Harris, to investigate police shootings Uh, in a way that she at the time seemed unwilling to do. Uh, And then there were cases that, you know, probably the most recent one was the uh, undocumented immigrant who uh, had shot and killed Kate Steinle as she was walking on the pier in San Francisco with her father. That case became a cause celeb uh, with President Trump and others trying to politicize it. Um, And he, his office, uh, you know, he oversaw the defense of that man who was acquitted of first degree murder.
3: Well, I know you spoke with Jeff Adachi along with our political correspondent, Marie Salagos on Political Breakdown's podcast. So I want to play that because y'all really got into where he was coming from and how he approached the job as a public defender. So, Scott, thank you very much for, for having some time with us this weekend. Yeah, anytime, Devin. Here's the segment on Political Breakdown with Jeff Adachi that aired last month.
2: I know you were born in Sacramento to working class parents and Um, your grandparents were actually interned during World War II. It sounds like that sort of part of your life, you know, your, your family's story did impact sort of how you've approached your job and why you went into this career. Is that fair?
0: Yeah. I mean, I remember I was in third grade when I learned about it, and a teacher mentioned about this internment. And back then, no one talked about it. And so I got in a fight with this other kid who said, oh, your parents were in jail. And uh, I got suspended. And my parents were like, well, why'd you get in trouble? I said, well, over this thing about them saying that you guys were in camps. I said, "Was that true? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, well, how did that happen? Did you commit a crime? No, the government put 120,000 people. And so I wanted to learn more about that. So I, I, you know, I talked to people and studied about the internment and it really, you know, made me upset that that had happened. To them, because you know uh, um, they were third-generation Japanese Americans, so their like great grandparents uh, were were from Japan. Do you
1: think that sort of, in some way, set you on the course, the professional course that you're that you ended up on?
0: Yeah, that and you know when I was in college, and I think I was 19, I got involved in a case of a San Francisco man who was wrongfully convicted of murder, was on death row, and I worked on his case not as a lawyer, but just as Uh, like an activist for four years, raised money. Ultimately, uh, the conviction was overturned. And Tony Serra, Stuart Hammond, two local lawyers retried the case. And I was in court when this man was found not guilty. And it was, you know, after that, I was hooked. I was like, I want to be a defender.
2: Well, you have, um, I think, a reputation of being a really strong advocate for your office and your clients. You're the only elected public defender in the state, which I think Probably gives you a little bit more room to be that advocate. But, um, you know, you've also not been afraid to take on popular positions. I mean, you beat sort of the, the hand chosen successor um, in the public defender's office who was, what, the niece of John Burton, former senator? It's his daughter. Daughter. His daughter. Yeah. I'm sorry. Kimmy, Kimmy, um Kimmy And then, you know, you've taken on. Um, pension issues in the city like as a progressive come after public unions on that Um, you've gone after the police department repeatedly when they've had uh, problems with um, police misconduct i I don't know i guess i don't know what my question is really but something like like, they kind of revel in that
1: you know that adversarial is that do do you get sort of energy and get a charge out of that and i mean obviously you're not afraid to break some eggs
0: Well, you know, it's not always fun to take unpopular positions. And I've learned that the hard way many times. But I think that as a public defender, one thing that you learn early on is that you can't be afraid to stand up, even if it's unpopular. I remember one of the first felony trials I tried, the judge brought me up to the bench and said, you're a potted plant. Your job is to get your client to plead guilty. And I was just like, whoa. And, you know, we ultimately tried that case and I won it. And uh, that was great. But the next client who was tried in front of that judge got the maximum sentence. And so, you know, you see that kind of unfairness happening. You're not always going to win, you know, the uh, battle, but you try to win the war.
1: Jeff, you know, I think there are a fair number of people who see what you, meaning defense attorneys generally, do at defending, quote unquote, bad guys and helping them looking for ways to, you know, minimize their sentence or get them off. Uh, And I'm just wondering, like, what do people not understand uh, about the role of a defense attorney, or in your case, the public defender?
0: Well, it often takes personal experience, because once they have a family member who's mm-hmm. in trouble, then suddenly they, they get it. And, you know, the, the idea that, you know, we only represent guilty people is not true. Um, you'd be surprised of how many cases where mistakes are made. And, you know, we just had a case this week where a person was uh, found not guilty, and they were trying to go into their own apartment, and they were perceived that, man was African American. He was perceived as, you know, being a burglar. And so these things happen, and suddenly a person is in jail. They're charged with a the crime. They have a high bail set on their head. And, you know, what's going to happen? Who are you going to turn to, right? Ghostbusters? No, you're going to turn <laughs> to the public defender, because that's your only hope. And in this country, public defender defenders have been notoriously underfunded. That's one of the issues I would like to see Kamala Harris step up on. And uh, because if you don't have a strong, well funded public defender's office, if you have a public defender who's got five hundred felony cases at a time, what kind of justice is she gonna get? And so that's why I fought very hard to ensure that our office has the resources needed so we can investigate cases, file all the motions, give our clients the same representation they would get if they could afford to hire a lawyer.
2: You you mentioned bail there and you know, I mean clearly you are a tireless advocate for your clients, but also um I think, you know, Maybe some people might see you as a little stubborn last year. You decided to walk away from the bail sort of deal that was happening in Sacramento, saying that the ultimate um, deal you you felt was basically unfair. Um, it gives a lot more power to judges to decide who will get out and and who won't. I'm just curious like what in a situation like that, when it's when it's a conversation over you know, ending a system that people like you see as inherently unjust and maybe creating one that isn't perfect, like, do you feel at all like you made the perfect the enemy of the good there? Or was it worth it to Well, I away?
0: still support bail reform. In SB 10 right now, there's a um, referendum. 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 It's on right. hold, it's going yeah. It's on 2020. You're going to oppose Where the referendum? Where's that um, My position is going to be that we need the bail reform that's in SB 10. However, we need to improve on that. In our office... Uh, really sort of started this whole ball rolling in California with the Humphrey case. This was a case involving a man who had a $600,000 bail set, and we appealed it twice to the Court of Appeals. And lo and behold, the Court of Appeals said that bail is unjust. And so we're going to be litigating this case in front of the California Supreme Court. So that's going to determine a lot of parameters of the new law. But the reason I oppose the law is because it gave too much power to the judges by replacing the bail system with something called preventive detention which essentially allows judges to keep somebody in custody uh, if they feel that they're a danger. Yeah.
1: I wonder if uh, you have, uh, in, your, in the in the success of, of getting a defendant off for one reason or another, not guilty uh, verdicts, um, have you been worried about that person walking out of the courtroom because you thought even though they got off, they could be a threat to public safety? No. And, you know,
0: people always ask that question. They say, well, what's it like to represent somebody that's guilty?
1: Often you don't know. Well, I'm not saying they're guilty. I'm yeah. just saying you know I'm a little nervous. Maybe yeah. maybe there's a technicality or something, and they they really weren't guilty, you know, by the standards that are are in front of you. But you know you may be worried about you know, they committing another crime.
0: Yeah, I mean you know that could happen? I mean, you could represent, set, represent somebody for driving with a suspended license and they can go out and get in a car and kill somebody. Is that your fault that that happened? It's our job to make sure that an individual's constitutional rights and their choice to fight their case or not fight their case is respected. And it's no different than if you're going in to, to buy something, you'd want to make sure that you got the best outcome possible. And a lot of cases are overcharged. So maybe you committed an assault, but lo and behold, you're charged with attempted murder. Oh, what are you going to do? Well, you're going to have to have a lawyer who's going to be able to litigate that case. And overcharging is one of the biggest problems that I see in our system is that people are charged with a crime that the evidence does not support. And you'd be surprised how many cases are thrown out at a preliminary hearing because it's not supported by probable cause.
2: Ten seconds. Do you think that with all the reforms we've seen and a lot of the sentencing changes in the legislature, that that pendulum of power is swinging a little bit away from prosecutors?
0: Yeah, I never thought I'd see it in my lifetime, but it's happening now. And it's going to be a big issue in this presidential debate, I think.
3: That San Francisco public defender Jeff Adachi, who died suddenly Friday night. Adachi was speaking with Marisa Lagos and Scott Schaefer of KQED's politics team and hosts of the Political Breakdown podcast. They actually hosted a special Sunday night on Adachi's life, which can be found on Political Breakdown wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find a link to the show in our episode notes. The San Francisco Medical Examiner's Office is conducting an autopsy soon. Mayor London Breed will need to appoint an interim public defender who will serve until the next election. City Attorney Matt Gonzalez will lead the office for now. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it for the Bay. Talk to you Wednesday.
5: Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.